1: Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. Uh, we, I, I'm not even going to cut to the chase on the intros. We've got a special guest with us today, folks. Uh, Chris Carlson is here. Uh, I'd assume most of the fan base knows Chris, but uh, welcome to the pod. Um, Steve Haller here with me as always, Pregler and DeGuzman. So, what's going on, guys?
0: I think we're just happy to have Chris on so that we
3: don't have to talk
0: about what happened in Blacksburg this week.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, we're, we'll,
0: we're there we'll talk
3: about the uh, We'll talk about the reason to, be, uh, to maybe be positive about the future, I guess.
0: This is the first time Syracuse has had a glass-half-full look over a past week that it went as badly as it did.
1: This is the first time we've had a pod where we're remotely thinking about glass-half-full in a long time, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, for
2: those peeking behind the curtain. Chris has been in communication with multiple members of the News Magician staff over his time covering uh, Syracuse sports. Which I'm not even trying to guess on how long that's been at this point. But yeah, Chris, if you want to if you want to out yourself for how long you've covered Syracuse sports, be my guest. But I think it's safe to say, even without the exact number, you are probably one of the most consistent voices. In the local media, um, whether it's, you know, you've covered different beats, you've covered the sport in general. I know now you've kind of moved off of sports specifically and kind of cover a whole bunch of different stories. But uh, you got our attention this week with the NIL features that went up, um, which was really the impetus for bringing you on. And again, we really appreciate you uh, making the time.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, it's a a fascinating subject. And I mean, one, uh, you know... I think the thing I've probably talked to you guys the most uh, over the years about is athlete compensation, um, and, and uh, pendulum has has uh, swung substantially there from uh, from, from um, you know from from athletes are really getting hosed to uh, you know. I don't know, <laughs> you know, right. uh, I, I
1: don't <laughs>
0: know.
3: I don't know. where we're at right now in terms of
1: that. Athlete, some athletes are making some bank. Is <laughs> definitely worth. Let's we're put s- it
0: this way: we're not discussing if an athlete can work at the YMCA or not. Yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> oh.
1: true.
2: <laughs> <sighs> okay, not too soon, but still hurts. <laughs>
3: Oh, but it does, I mean, it right, it is just, like, everything we've talked about, everything that's been, like, a big deal in, in college sports outside of North Carolina, um, which somehow the NCAA ignored, uh, you know, <laughs> has somehow, like, it all just looks small potatoes now, right? Like, I mean, we're talking about, like, you know, million-dollar recruits, like. I
2: right. mean, we're talking about a recruit who sat courtside uh, and flew in on a f- private jet. Um, there's with, there's with, a lot of weird with two rappers as well. <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. There was yeah, a whole there's, lot there's, of weird happening in lo- that
2: night. <laughs> there's a lot of weird things happening. I think I think Chris, this is a great time to just like dive into this with you for the, for those who might be like, let's pretend like we've got. We, I know we have some Syracuse fans here who have not been paying attention to a ton of NIL stuff. Because, to be quite frank, Syracuse has not exactly been as put together as some of their uh, compatriots in the ACC or within the college landscape. Um, so let's really quickly break down what it was that you wrote about this week and Syracuse's kind of standing in this new NIL world um, based off of you know the reporting that you've been doing as of late.
3: Sure. So, I mean, uh, the historical lens, right, Uh, college sports changed substantially um, in uh, July of of 2021 um, when the the NCAA allowed, well, it's forced to allow uh, (laughs) athletes to uh, start to make money off their name, image, and likeness, Um, you know, Initially, everybody was telling, was saying, oh, yeah, this will be great. You know, athletes can uh, be in commercials and uh, sell T-shirts with their, their faces on it. Um, but, uh, you know, not surprisingly, um, folks have uh, taken advantage of the facts that, of the idea that you can, you know, pay athletes to find all sorts of things to pay them for and very inflated amounts to pay them for, um, you know, the, their name, image, and likeness. It um, is not something that the schools are supposed to be directly involved in, which sort of complicates things, you know, when you say Syracuse is behind. Um, it's also not necessarily their administration's job to create a collective to pay athletes. So it was more the alumni base or the boosters that were behind more than the school. Although you could certainly argue that the school should have been encouraging more aggressive behavior uh and and, you know getting involved um but uh adam weitzman uh local scrap metal magnet and uh instagram influencer and billionaire and jim Beheim's best friend um has jumped into uh that uh absence and and has decided that that you know he is going to pay athletes to do charity work he uh, either the contracts he's paying are you know He's talked about one of them is a multi-year deal worth seven figures. Um, Elijah Moore, the recent recruit, he said he has a six-figure deal with Elijah with incentives that could bring it to seven figures. Um, and that money, theoretically, is going to pay him to do some charity work. No specified number of hours, no specified charity. Um, you can guess whether anyone else in the world would be paid much money to do charity work but uh you know syracuse is just joining the club here i mean you know it's they're not alone and adam is not alone in doing this um he is one of the few that is openly doing this which like i appreciate you know the, the only guy who's been more open about it is john ruiz in miami right um who's who's paying um, athletes to, uh, endorse his companies. And like, he's putting the, con- he's putting the numbers out there. Like he is putting the numbers on Twitter. Just this is what the deal is. Um, mm-hmm. so he, he's the only guy who's being, um, or open and transparent about what he's doing than Adam. And as a journalist, like I'm good with that.
1: <laughs> makes makes things a little easier for you. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I mean, you know, and, and like, what good is it, right? Right. Well, good is to have it underground as a sports fan. Why would you want it underground as as a sports fan? Like, like. Well, tell what's it, actually going on.
1: Right. We've had it underground for the last forty years. Like, it's been happening. It's not like this is something new. It's just now they can do it in the open. So you might as well. Like, it's advertising effectively.
0: Yeah. It, it's uh, yeah. It's also weird to hear you call Adam Weitzman a Instagram influencer nowadays just <laughs> where we are in the landscape of social media. In the um, immortal
1: words of Louis Van Hall, what is this world twisted? Yeah,
0: no kidding. <laughs> uh, Chris, what, I, I still find it weird that, I, I and you've dived into this in, in your article that, you know, that since Weitzman is so open about, there's this probably concern about, you know, because we are in, a twisted world of what's legal and what's not in the NCAA, if this is still all allowed. So what kind of fine lines is he treading here with being as open as he is?
3: Sure. So, so the NCAA ha- has um, put forward very few sort of guidelines or, or, or requirements. Um, part of that is because the more guidelines and requirements they put forward the more likely they are to be challenged in court and the more likely they are to lose and the more irrelevant they are to become Um, so they have put together a a very small list of of rules Um, one is that a uh, booster is um, not supposed to be uh, having conversations with recruits recruiting specific conversations about recruits. So Adam um, avoids that rule by saying that, that he does not talk about recruiting with the guys that he is offering deals to. He only talks about NIL. Um, so you, you can't say I'm having a recruiting conversation if we're talking about NIL. Um, you are not allowed to pay an athlete to play for a specific institution. Um, Adam's contracts, He uh, he says say you have to do charity work in the 315 or 607 area codes and you have to live in those places now there are other basketball teams in those places in those places none that any good recruit would want to play for but like technically like you could go play at Lemoyne if-, if you wanted to um
1: no i mean so- another one of those teams did beat us this year so <laughs> yeah know, no. he could become a colgate booster <laughs> Exactly.
3: Fair point. Um, But uh, traditionally, no place that a recruit would want to play basketball other than Syracuse. So, you know, what does the NCAA think about these justifications? I don't know. You know, the NCAA doesn't comment on specific, you know, uh, circumstances, at least to me. Um, Adam says he's in communication with SU's compliance department, which you would think would give them the opportunity to say, Hey, like, you can't do that. Um, so I think he's just, like, nobody knows what the rules are until somebody gets in trouble. Um, and then we'll start to figure out what people can actually get in trouble for.
1: Right. And I guess that's one thing is, you know, the day he – the day Moore signs his LOI, like, is the NCAA going to come knocking of, like, hey, by the way, all that stuff you did, we're, we're toast. I mean, wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't be the second time either. So what the hell? Um yeah, uh for for you two youngins, remember back back in the day there was another NCAA sanction. So yeah, it's it's been it's not a program without its own warts, and is this gonna come back to haunt, you know, now that we're in the Wild West.
3: So my gut instinct and I am somebody who said the NCAA was going to hammer North Carolina because they couldn't not, because right. otherwise, what are we doing here? And I was wrong, <laughs> dead wrong, right? Yep. So, so, so everything I say. A lot of other people.
1: Yeah, I was going to say all four people on this podcast would have said the same thing right now. Yeah. So. so, you
3: know, uh, they are an unpredictable organization at best. Um, but I do like. I think that they need a slam dunk case to charge anybody like they are going to need to, to get somebody doing specifically what they told them not to do. Like, like we told you, you could not do this specific thing and you did it anyway. And you didn't care before they really punished somebody. And, and Whitesman is operating in this gray area, um, that nobody has defined, um, presumably and, and. I, ha- I believe with a number of other people, um, you know, so are you going to, to take a, you know, are you going to make Syracuse a scapegoat? Um, you know, I guess it's possible, but like, I, I just, you know, as a journalist, I would crush the NCAA. I would want to crush the NCAA for that because, right. because he is operating the way that, ev- that lots of other people are operating in the landscape right now.
2: Yeah, I was, it's actually really funny, this This past week, um, Split Zone Duo, which is a podcast that used to be part of the SB Nation umbrella, is no longer part of the SB Nation umbrella. Um, Stephen Godfrey, who was a journalist who covered the pay-for-play scandal down in Mississippi pre-NIL, has kind of become somewhat of an expert in this area, was talking about this concept that the NCAA right now has no idea what it's doing because you basically created a whole new marketplace and the, in capitalism in general, when you create a whole new marketplace, the world goes absolutely nuts and it's entirely unregulated. See cryptocurrency as the most recent non-sports example of this. Um, But then instead of having a government in charge of it, you have the NCAA, which is infinitely worse at doing the job of governance. And up until, I think three months ago had no one even like in charge of the NCAA in a commissioner in a commissioner role. So we're we're talking about an organization that hasn't even had a like leader trying to police this entire thing and create these rules that are clearly not being followed. But at the end of the day, like I, Chris, one of the things that I did want to kind of get into you with is that you were you and and Sean Keely were two of the loudest voices on the Syracuse internet. Talking about like what are we doing, not paying these players or trying to pay these players in like Nike sweatpants and shoes and all these other things that that were allowed but weren't a al- you know we weren't allowed to give them cash and and I don't think that you got into this a ton, but I am interested if this is something that's kind of come up in conversation is when we when we look at nil at a school like Syracuse, like what we we know that someone like Elijah Moore is coming in with expectations and coming in with contracts, but there's probably hundreds of student athletes at Syracuse that do not fit into that umbrella and are trying to make a way for themselves. And so I'm just kind of curious throughout your throughout your uh, reporting and throughout your investigating here, if there were any conversations about, you know, the other 90% of students at Syracuse that are either on one of those high visibility revenue sports teams, but aren't getting major deals or are on the Olympic sports that obviously have some like, they're student athletes too. They have some kind of market potential. Um, it's just not, you know, basketball.
3: <laughs> sure. So I am um, going to be covering sort of NIL as a as a beat. Um, we've decided it is going to be sort of the shaping force in college sports until they shift to a uh, probably cutting the athletes in on revenue. Um, you know, but the, but this is going to be a determining factor in how successful programs are from recruiting to retaining players um there will be you know legal components um so it's a, it's an issue that i uh st- I, I move i moved back to sports at the start of the new year um so and this was part of that um switch
1: nice
3: uh is making this a beast awesome ah, welcome back <laughs> yes <laughs> yep so uh i Talk to Adam a little bit about. I mean, he has deals with a, a number of other athletes um, in addition to the recruiting. The recruiting is sort of the diceyest area in terms of like, could this go bad or could we get in trouble? Um, and and is probably the most um, interesting for fans. But but he has 13 deals with, with SU athletes. Um, most of them are basketball players. Uh, there were eight basketball players. Um, but he also has a deal with it. Deal with Deja Fair. Um, he has a deal with Elijah Clark. Um, he is going to have one, he says, with, with uh, Marlo Wax, um, which, good news for football fans, probably means Marlo Wax is not going anywhere. And, you know, he would have been an attractive guy. We, we saw players leave, right? Um, you know, this is part of players st- staying, um, potentially. Um, you know, Adam has not shared the numbers. So I don't know, like, what John Bowl, Jacques, and um, <laughs> sorry, Jumble, uh, or, or Peter Carey, right? And and if it's like you know, is, is it pizza money? Is it a um, car money? Uh, I, I don't have a great sense of what It's, the an, extra, it's an extra pie
0: from Mario and after I, the game. So all, right? when, yeah, he,
1: right, when he you said know. pizza money, all I could think of was if, uh, um, oh God, Mark? Nope. Yes, I so. I went older, and my brain could only think of Christoph Oljanat. I was like, "Wait, <laughs> no, wrong European." <laughs> Hold on, but yeah, if if Dolzhai was around for nil, would it strictly be with all of, like every pizzeria in Syracuse? Yeah. Like he just gets a cut from everybody.
3: <laughs> oh my god! I guess that was a long way of saying, Andy. I, I don't know much, but I hope to like learn like how it's impacting like. Some of the other athletes at the school um but but i don't have a great sense for it right now uh i asked about soccer um because I, I i saw ian mcintyre gave him like a uh gave adam a, a shirt and i was like so did you, <laughs> he deals there and he said not yet uh so um, oh uh, he hasn't branched outside the the big three yet well,
0: something something i read in your article that i think is important for that syracuse fans we're probably going to want to know is where Syracuse is in terms of the NIL landscape as a university. And as you said, they've been careful and slow in introducing NIL. I I say slow in quotation marks because it seems like other Power 5 teams have been much more aggressive in terms of launching NIL uh, systems for their athletes. Um, So is that necessarily the right move for Syracuse Given where we are in the NIL landscape,
3: to uh, to get in it, or uh, no, little... or, to,
0: or to go through it slowly, go
3: through it slowly. Um, I think it's okay. Um, right. Uh, as somebody who believes that athletes ethically should be paid, um, like I am good with everybody like rushing into this market and paying guys. Like, good for you if that's like if we're taking money from a billionaire. And we're giving it to kids that aren't billionaires. Like, (laughs) I I, I have no problem with that. Uh, Spread the wealth. Um, And and if that's what your collective is out there doing, cool. Um, But I I don't, outside of like, right, they're catching up. Um, Adam's in the game now. Um, Did they hurt themselves competitively maybe for a year uh, by being slow to to it? Maybe. Maybe. Um, but is there any real long-lasting damage done by sort of going slow and, and making sure that you know the NCAA really doesn't care about this? They're really not going to come down on anybody. Like you know, following best you know, following other people into the dangerous waters. Like we said, like Adam isn't the only one doing this. He hired a lawyer um, who is very well regarded in this field, very aggressive in, in finding ways to get athletes' pays paid. But he knows whatever he, he knows what a lot of other schools, in the country, are doing, and, and Syracuse is following sort of that. Contracts are shaped the same way. Um, maybe they're not flying guys on jets with rappers. Uh, that, that that might be a that might be a Syracuse thing. Um, but uh, I don't think it's like a huge problem as long as they do get in the game um, now. And as long as like there are people outside of adam are willing to like step up and play uh because you don't want one i was talking with um i was i forget which one of the lawyers i was talking to uh, about this but like you don't want to rely on charities which is what su's collectives are right now because they can only pay players so much or like you're not a charity like, like, if you're a charity and you're stroking, like, a million-dollar checks, like, you're not a charity. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you, you can't do that. Um, and if you have one person who is your entire program, like, that one person has immense power over your school at that point. So, like, you can't alienate that one person. Or if you do, like you're starting from ground zero and you have to build up the NIL program all over again. So so I think it's okay to go slow. Um I don't think that there's any that there's any real long-term damage done, but like they have to keep going. Like Adam can't be it. They they need other people to sort of join Adam and and not have him on the solo quest. I think yeah.
0: that took a great follow-up from me like because it seems like other schools just from at the outside looking in without looking in too much or reading into much, it have other boosters and multiple boosters who are willing to shell out the NIL money. Is it right now just a solo quest for Syracuse in which Adam Weitzman is the only one who's really willing to shell out these contracts for these players, these NIL contracts for these players, or are there other people
3: who are in it at least right now? It is hard. There there are other people in it. Um, Cliff Ensley, a former football player, um, uh, Hensley center, right. A big donor to the school, um, started a collective that is doing it the charity way. Um, which, you know, the, the number there, um, that one of the lawyers I talked to was like 20,000 to 50,000 is what you can like reasonably sort of stretch it to, um, and have be paying the players like within reason, you know, um, not outlandish numbers for a charity. Um, So Cliff is in that collective world. Uh, Mike Bristol, um, who is a spokesman for Jim Beheim, the Jim and Julie Beheim Foundation, um, helps Jim with some of his, like, outside basketball PR. Um, He started a collective that also is doing charity that operates the same way. Um, There is no, like, other schools are doing, like, more for- a lot of other schools have like a for-profit collective, which does allow you to pool booster money and you're not restricted in your payments by the fact that you're a charity. You can operate more like Adam Weitzman operates as a collective. I mean, there has not been a Syracuse version that has at least come forward publicly um, and, and sort of claimed they're doing anything. Um, at the same time, like like, I mean... A lot of schools don't have guys do it, doing things publicly, right? It's an anonymous report from Tennessee and who came up with the $13 million figure, like, you know, or that was Florida. Who came up with the $8 million figure at Tennessee? Like, I don't know. Um, who came up with the $13 million figure at Florida? Like, I'm not sure. Um, and and what's going on in North Carolina, right? What, what did they – how much did they pay to, to get – Armando and Caleb Love and R.J. Davis and all those guys to stick around another year. Um, We don't know, because you don't have to announce anything. Um, You know, uh, so it is hard to tell. Um, But so far, it does seem like it is largely those collectives, which are are doing small amounts of money, sort of in the hopes of retaining players. Um, And then Adam is the one who's... um, Throwing big money around but there aren't that many schools that are throwing big money around publicly um, you hear about it with some of the SEC schools right but that's pretty much it in terms of like who's actually like sharing sharing the details and, and taking credit for what they're doing um, some of it's just we have to assume you know like like Todd Carter um, right we haven't seen a number I know we signed with the Ohio State Collective um, I presume that number is healthy, uh, but I don't know. But I don't know. No, I don't know.
2: That's actually a, a really great. Like, I was looking up, um, you know, the differences between the Syracuse collective structure and the Ohio State one because the Ohio State one very famously has Cardale Jones as the public face of the collective. The infamous uh, tweeted out, "I didn't come here to play school." Is now running the NIL collective, which I feel <laughs> like is. It's oh, fitting yeah, that's just a hat on a hat right there. Um, but they're, but they are all underneath one collective that was started with a five hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars donation. And that collective has grown since then. It's basically like, hey, throw some money at this and we'll redistribute it to the players as necessary. And it's, Chris, to your point, it sounds like it's being run like a quote unquote charity. Uh, where they're trying to, you know, you pool money in, you give the money to the players, and you find a way to like make that money worthwhile with an NIL in some way. Versus Syracuse, which has two different actively labeled foundations, uh, the three one five don't uh, three one five foundation, which is backed by a lot of the uh, Jim Beheim Foundation backed donors as well. So you can see a lot of the overlap there um and then the other one is athlete who cares and that's the one that Ensley is running so it certainly sounds like the at least at Syracuse we have two separate groups kind of working one on behalf of basketball one on behalf of football and then Weitzman doing whatever the heck it is that he wants to do um which is different than say in Ohio State is running it uh but it, like you said there's not a ton of visibility on how other places are doing it Uh, But all this is kind of like a prelude to say to the fact that it seems like Syracuse is at least actively trying here, Um, which compared to some other previous uh, things that Syracuse has done, like trying is a low bar to clear, but we're happy that they're clearing it. And I'm just kind of curious as, uh, again, now that you're tipping your toe into this, now that you're becoming like a dedicated beat guy for this, have you looked out to the rest of the ACC at all to kind of see if there's any structures or any competitions that have arisen obvious, uh, like we- more is probably at least in my mind, the first big time recruit to come probably specifically because of NIL. Um, but I do know that Weissman was, has been pretty active on this 2024 recruiting trail. And I'm not sure who else had offers that maybe chose to go somewhere else. And that other place being an ACC rival.
3: So he, um, you know he, he he had one offer out to uh, it was a 2023 player Elliot Cadeau who was a five-star guard um, who ended up picking North Carolina now um, oh, Adam said he got he started talking to Cadeau too late um, and Cadeau had sort of already made up his mind that he was going to go to Chapel Hill and and the fact that that he came in you know too late was was the difference maker um, you know I don't know if that's true or not. Right? Like you know, I don't know if Adams deal was better um or not. Um or if North Carolina has a bigger kitty than than Wake'sman has <laughs> and is willing to go higher. Um you know, they also got Ian Jackson, the number 2 recruit in the country. Um so like you know, They're probably playing with some pretty big numbers, I would think if you if you're landing those guys. Like like I I think I think a lot of it like we're going to find out. Um you know, where everybody is uh, in the lay of the land. Um, The charities, at some point, it'll be just like Syracuse, where where they have to release, like, certain payments, you know, their five highest paid individuals, because that's a requirement on charities in this country. Um, But, like, that's not going to tell the whole story either, because, like, there are schools that have collectives operating on their behalf that aren't registered charities. Um, You know, like Adam, Adam doesn't have to say anything um, about his number. Um, So, I mean, I just think we're all just going to follow recruiting and we're going to assume that the guy, the team, the schools that are getting the best players are probably paying the most money because that's usually how it works.
0: (laughs) What are some of the other differences between like the collectives that Syracuse and Ohio state have and what, at Weitzman and John Grease are doing in terms of not only getting money to the players, but also how they just operate in general in terms of this whole NIL landscape?
3: Um, you know, I mean, I think it's not. I don't think it's like. I don't think they're operating tremendously different from each other outside of like who is funding them, right? A, a collective is a way for. to get maybe the entire fan base involved. Um, and and um, right, the it's the uh, athlete paying version of Ipte, the uh, the Clemson I pay ten dollars a year that, that they used for to raise money for their um, athletic programs for so long. Um, but I, I still think, like ultimately, like you know, you're uh, when it's Ruiz or it's Weitzman, obviously they are targeting um, they're picking the programs that they think are the most important. Um, and uh, supporting those programs. So we know Weitzman in basketball, right? Uh, uh, basketball is going to get the, you know, presumably, I think, you know, a uh, huge percentage of, of Weitzman's support. Um, Ruiz can pick whatever Miami. Um, sports he cares about and put the majority of his money there. I, he has like 110 athletes signed, I think, so like he, like, I mean, I, I do think he is distributing the wealth to some degree, but I'm sure the majority of it is going to pay football players, right? I mean, that, that seems like logical to me. Um, whereas, you know, some collectives where where there may be a little bit more tied into the university and it's not just one individual, they, they might be a little bit more inclined to like support all the programs. Um, you know, uh, distribute the wealth to women's sports, distribute the wealth to, to non-revenue sports in a little bit more egalitarian way. Um, I haven't seen the numbers on that, but I, uh, that's just like a natural sort of gut instinct, I think. you know, And, and there have been deals from non-revenue sports, from athletes from from other schools um, who I think are benefiting from collectives that way. And, and I think like Cliff Ensley's collective, I believe, is going to get into the lacrosse. And so is going to try to help support lacrosse um, at some point. Um, but it will be interesting to see sort of how, how much Syracuse helps the non-revenue sports that way.
0: You also, when you talked about, you know, Jihad Carter transferring to Ohio State, Ruiz, you know, paying Nigel Pack $800,000 $800, to get post moves from Joe Girard all game. Um, so, like, what are the quote-unquote rules uh, between Recruit, recruiting guys out of high school with NIL and recruiting guys in a transfer portal with NIL. Because because for Syracuse players, what we've mainly seen is White's been targeting you know, high school recruits, traditional high school recruits. But how does that work in the transfer portal as well?
3: It would be the same rules would apply. Um, to The, the same, same rules apply to a recruit to a transfer. So um, whatever conversations John Ruiz had with Nigel Pack... Um, you know, I don't know if he's operating under the same uh, rationale as Adam that, ah, we didn't talk about recruiting. We just talked about NIL opportunities. You know, uh, Jim Laronega talked to him about playing basketball at Miami. Um, I'm just talking to him about NIL. Um, I don't know if he used that same justification, but, but technically the rules are the same. Like a booster is not supposed to be, you know, getting in a player's DMs saying, hey, I'll give you $500,000 to come over here um that said right we all know go-betweens have if a coach isn't doing it or the booster isn't doing it booster or the coach might be talking to a high school coach or an AAU coach um we've you know, all we've all seen the world of go-betweens <laughs> and football for for years um you know so so you can right one of one of the rules one of the rules that, that is crazy it is um coaches can't tell boosters who to pursue um We can all come up with a thousand ways that a booster might be tipped off without the coach directly telling him, this is who I want you to get, right? It it could be a team manager. It could be somebody they both know. It could be a recruiting site, not to mention if they go out to dinner and nobody has bugged their table, like, Mm. you know, like, yeah, we want this guy, right? I mean, you know.
0: Could you imagine someone bugging his table at the Monaco's just to hear which recruits he wants to go
3: after. That would be some FBI level, uh, FBI level genius. Oh, that's incredible.
1: You, you getting ideas so like, now, mean, Christian?
3: You know, it's the world of plausible deniability, right? Um, which is, I don't know, is sort of why the whole thing has been dumb. Um, and why... Like, I don't know... This is a victimless crime, right? Like, if you are cheating, like, <laughs> players getting paid, and fans are happy, mm-hmm. and a billionaire has a little less money, and, like, I don't know, the other victims are, like, I guess schools and coaches, but and other programs, but, like, I don't know, they're also the same people that tried to keep athletes from making money for so long, so, right. <laughs> so, I, so, so like, you know, uh, I like the system better.
1: So, uh, Pregler, since we're so – where we are on time, uh, I just want to uh, say since Chris is talking about victims, I will say that this week my yes. wallet was a victim of the Home Field Apparel sale.
2: Uh, <laughs> oh, mine as well. Mine as well.
1: So, yeah, if if anyone missed it on Tuesday, the, collection, the new collection from Home Field Apparel, our sponsor, uh, dropped, and it was – Pretty insane, um, to the point where various joggers and other sweatshirts are coming to my house. So uh, between yeah. my wife and I, uh, we had, we had to barter for who got the joggers, who got the sweatshirt. So um, yeah, it, it's been it, it was it was solid.
2: The home field Syracuse collection that expired on Friday uh if you didn't grab it there are still some wonderful syracuse things up at Homefield apparel our sponsor as always and a participator in nil not for syracuse but for their beloved indiana um make sure you use promo code nunes n-u-n-e-s for 10 percent off your first order at Homefield apparel uh and as always they're the comfiest uh clothing providers of vintage syracuse stuff out there give them a look if you haven't already chris Things that are vintage. Uh, this is a, this is a really bad segue. Uh, things that are vintage include Jim Bayheim and you have covered Jim Bayheim for a very long time relative to the rest of us here. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, not it, it's a, a little bit nil, a little bit not. Like we've seen a lot of older coaches, specifically in basketball step aside because they saw the writing on the wall, that this was going to fundamentally change the way that they built programs, built teams, basically thought about the long-term vision of their program. And I think a lot of them decided got enough rings, got enough money. I am good to sit this one out. Um, Jim Beheim, being the man that he is did not choose to sit this one out. Um, Obviously, You've spent a lot of years on the basketball beat in some way, shape, or form, covering him that way. You've spent time covering Syracuse, and his position in the athletic department is really well defined. I'm, I'm just kind of curious as to your thoughts or your perceptions on, not necessarily is Jim Beheim uh, gonna is Jim Beheim going to retire? Uh, to retiring, just more of a is. Where do you think he sits in, in this whole NIL world where um, it's it's just so different and he's stubbornly hanging on when so many of his compatriots were like, this, this just isn't worth it?
3: Um... I think Jim is, uh... Such a uh, pragmatist, um... He, I'm sure he doesn't, right, he, 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 he's fought every athlete compensation thing since, you know, since I've been covering him for a decade, right? Every, everything he's fought against um, in terms of, um, you know, athletes getting paid outside of, I don't remember, if he supported maybe the stipends um, eventually. Um, so I'm sure he's not thrilled uh, with the landscape. But I do think he's just like, well, if that's how everybody else is going to, like, do it. Like, fine, we'll do it, and I'll coach the team. And that's what I've always done, and that's what I'll always do. Um, It is interesting. I do wonder if this had happened when he was in, like, a good stretch, if his uh, choices might have been different, right? Jay Wright left, but, like, Villanova's sort of on top of college basketball. Uh, Roy Williams left. North Carolina had won a national championship very recently. Um, Coach K left. Duke was certainly in great shape. Uh, Syracuse is not. Uh, and, and I'm sure everybody wants to leave on a high note. So I do have no insight, right? He, he does not trust me with his uh, innermost thoughts. But from a purely curio- curious standpoint, like I do wonder if, if Program was in a different state, if he would have also decided, like, this is not worth the aggravation of, of doing, um, but you know. But I don't know. He saw, He is also like, out of all of them, like he is the basketball lifer. Who it is hard. Who right? He goes home and he watches basketball. He talks about it. He's watching NBA all the time. He, that is, who he is and what he does. So I don't know. He's.
0: Along the same lines of, like, the landscape changing, especially since this is Adam Weitzman and Jim bigheim and basketball, one of the things that I think you have to look at, especially with basketball, is changes to the one-and-done rule uh, in the NBA that, you know, have been rumored for, I don't know, the past few years at this point now, whether that comes, you know, sooner rather than later. How might... Especially for Syracuse basketball, since, like you said, Weitzman is pretty much focusing all his NIL uh, focuses right now towards basketball players. How does that change, or how might that change, uh, how the NIL like landscape is distributed at Syracuse, especially?
3: We're talking about uh, players not having to go at all, or or, or a baseball version where um, you know, well, it's three it, or whatever.
0: I mean. It's so weird for me because I'm I'm I always like the baseball rule mm-hmm. of you know I you either go to you either go straight out of high school or you stay three years, mm-hmm. but I mean who knows what the MPA is gonna do? So, like I can't answer that either. In a yeah
3: yeah it it I just yeah. you know I don't. I don't think that the NBA is going to, like, go for that. You know, like, I don't think NBA players want to see college players restricted in that way. Um, I don't think that will happen. But I do think, like, I mean, I do think that players might stay in college longer. Right? You might not. There might be fewer one-and-done guys. Because if you're going to be a late first rounder, if you're going to be a second rounder, um, and your school has somebody who is willing to pay you like second rounder, but you can stay in school where you're having fun and um, not have to do the G League thing, but play in front of Carrier Dome crowds, right? Like that—that that is a more appealing thing. I—I I, I know the—I know college has changed substantially since then, but like I remember how hard it was for Carmelo to leave this. Like he was legitimately torn and and he was a top three pick. And I know now, you know, it, it would be like a no brainer, but like, I think that shows you that like some kids are going to be torn and and some kids are going to decide that college is a, is a better place to play a second year and and rather than go one and done. I I don't know if that quite answered your, your question. Um, To me, that's a, that'll be an interesting change is, is if, if those borderline first round, those second round guys will stick around longer than they were before.
0: I think that along the same lines, like how does that affect like the quote-unquote contracts that we've been seeing? Like, you, like we've said, Ruiz gave Pack a two-year deal. Uh, Weitzman has reportedly offered multi-year deals to the recruits he's been after, including Elijah Moore. I'm not sure what kind of contract lengths he has right now with the current Syracuse players. How might that affect as well, these quote-unquote NIL contracts that the players are getting from Whitesman, Ruiz, and other boosters.
3: So he has a multi-year deal with um, with Deja Fair, um, but it does not require her to fulfill the terms of the contract. It is essentially like, if you are here, this is the offer it is on the table for you. But it doesn't, like, restrict her from going to the WNBA. She doesn't have to buy her way out of, like, deal with Adam in order to go to the WNBA if she wants to go to the WNBA. So I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine there are too many people that are putting restrictions in, in, in those contracts. I mean, and it, it's possible, um, given that nobody makes them public, but, but I haven't heard of anybody who like can't go pro when they want to go pro because they've signed an NIL deal. Um, I do think, um from the i do think this would be just being an intelligent thing to do right is it, to escalate the value the longer somebody stays in school um so you yeah. get this money your freshman year you get you backload it right i mean just like uh, to incentivize somebody to stick around um you have to think people are doing that like that is just a smart you know Smart yeah. roster management, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I have to think that's something people will do. Um, but I haven't heard of it. Uh, I, I haven't heard anybody talk about that. And Adam is, um, you know, does not get particularly specific with um, with the terms of his deals. Oh,
2: sorry, I was muted there. Um, I think that this is just, like, all kind of illustrated the the general like, Brave New World that we've kind of entered in here. Like, this whole thing is is just still so remarkably undefined. And unlike a lot of schools, Syracuse has somebody who is willing to be uh, very visibly front and center of this, for whatever Adam's reasons might be. He's chosen this path, and therefore we have to deal with it. I, I'm just kind of curious, like, to, to get your final thoughts on this. As as things kind of evolve and shift, um, do you think that Weitzman is going to continue to be in this role? Is this a time and place thing? Is it just there's just not enough information to say? Or or do you think that this is truly like a Ruiz at Miami situation where it's like this guy wants his legacy to be known as the, the booster for this school that I have chosen my attachment with? But because Weitzman... As as you know, we've all chronicled before, is not in the same mold as a lot of other boosters, where he attended the school, played sports at the school, and then went off and and did his thing. Weitzman's connection to Syracuse is specifically tied to one James Arthur Bayheim, who, as we just covered, is going to be coaching for as long as he's physically able to be coaching.
3: <laughs> I think Adam, and I haven't asked him this, and I am looking forward to asking him this. Um... It's probably the question I wished I've I've asked him right now, and I haven't. Um, but I think, I do think that he will, he's will probably be a long time supporter and and continue doing this. Um, now, is he incentivized to go big right now because he wants to make sure that like either Jim leaves the program in good shape or goes out on a high note? Um, yes, I I think just like we saw with TBT, and he wanted to get Eric Devendorf a title in tbt like he is very incentivized to to do this right now um but i also think that like as he's gone to games like he unders he he enjoys it um he he talks about the carrier dome and like the mix of classes and um it's in a, 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 he loves that it is part of central new york and that is part of central new york's experience and, and while his willingness to be out there might turn some off. Like he does care about central New York in a lot of ways and puts a lot of his money towards good causes and a lot of his energy towards good causes. So I do think that unless he gets turned off, which is admittedly a fear, right? If Syracuse turns him off in some way, maybe he'll walk away. Um, But as long as that doesn't happen, I do think that he is, he's a long-term supporter in some capacity, sort of in this NIL arms race. Um, think you know uh, but like a lot of people have said right is this sustainable are boosters going to get tired of of of, right if he can't compete with the north carolina collective and elijah moore's the the highest rated prospect he gets um right is that going to frustrate him right just like no matter what he does he he can't get a top guy because it's just he's always going to get outbid um you know, I, I do think there's a wait and see on that because that's possible, right? It, it is possible to just he makes a, a bid and then every kid goes to North Carolina and says, hey, this is what Whitesman will pay me like. And North Carolina says, oh, yeah, well, no problem. We'll match it. Come to Chapel Hill. Right. I mean, it, 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 there's a very reasonable chance that's how everything plays out.
0: So yeah. um, you kind of mentioned it very early on. Like. What's next in terms of, like, who makes the next move? Um, I'm assuming it's got to be the NCAA in terms of how they try and regulate NIL. Do they have to – is it a point where they have to throw their hands up and, like, eventually, like, sooner rather than later, it is, okay, athletes get a cut of the revenue? Or, like, how wh- – where where are we going from here in terms of how NIL is getting reg- re- regulated?
3: So I think both – t- personally, I think both those things. Um, I do think that, that the NCAA has to step in on NAL eventually and do something. Um, it might not be right away because, like I talked about earlier, right, it, they might be waiting for someone to specifically violate some guideline that they've put out, and, like, there's there can be no arguing. There can be no gray. Like, we told you not to do it. You didn't. Um, you know, but I do think that, that there's a desire and a want from the organization and the schools to to put some – Constraints in whatever they think they can get away with. Um, but I do think the logical end game here is athletes like, getting a cut of revenue. Um, I honestly like as a coach. Uh, like I try to put myself in the, the shoes of, of coaches and ads. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. Like if you cut athletes in on the revenue, you can get a little bit of control over roster management again, right? Like like you can. You can put in if you negotiate it right if you collectively bargain rights like you can put in all the things people want from other sports like you could have like, I, don't know if they, I don't know if the i don't know if the the athletes would go for this but like that's why you have a salary cap in other leagues because it was negotiated and, and they agreed that there would be a salary cap in exchange for their cut of the revenue um you could negotiate um a transfer rule right where if a player transfers without like a good reason they have to sit out a year so all the all like the um, the fears that coaches have of boosters coming in and paying players to like jump ship like at least it becomes harder like a player doesn't want to sit out a year Um, you know so so just think I think that is just the natural end game and to me the fascinating question I was thinking about it right before I came out with you guys if 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 we do revenue sharing with athletes, and they get their f- share from the school, will boosters still pay them? Like, 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 you don't have Pirates fans, no offense, Andy, like, like, taking up a collection to, like, hey, Pirates players. It's like, no, they have an employer, and the employer pays them, and, like, that's how this thing works. Like, uh, will yeah. boosters still, once revenue sharing <laughs> happens, still do this? I think so, but it's just very weird. It's very weird that 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 is a place that we are.
1: I would assume yes cuz once you get into the revenue sharing, it's like they're the the schools are going to cut it the same for every player type thing, even though it's, you know, revenue sharing. Like they're going to get whatever their cut is and then the boosters will still give the above and beyond. It's it's so bad it'll bad just be Star they're sports. making more money on top of the stupid money they're making from the boosters. Or Andy's
0: Andy's frantically trying now how to figure out how to keep O'Neal Cruz and Brian Reynolds in Pittsburgh for the foreseeable future. Actually,
2: the Pirates were a bad example. Our owner is notoriously <laughs> cheap and poor, and but he is a baby billionaire by billionaire standards. I think Weitzman might actually have more money than him, just that he happens to have a more valuable asset. <laughs> but you know, actually, I don't know scrap. I don't know where what scrap metal assets are these days, but. Uh, so I, I shouldn't even say that, you know, a new the newspaper business uh, and the ski resort business in Pennsylvania are not exactly thriving industries for owning a, a sports franchise. Uh, it's not hedge fund money, uh, to say the
0: least, especially <laughs> southern Pennsylvania for ski <laughs> for
2: skiing. Oy, oy okay, we don't need to go into that that tan- side tangent here. <laughs> we could we could be here all night. Uh, Chris, we we've really appreciated the time uh, that you've taken to chat with us um about this i'm really excited to hear that you're going to be the nil guy moving forward um this is this is going to means that we're probably going to be seeing a lot more of you popping up in the timeline covering syracuse sports um and so i'm just kind of curious to uh to get you out of here and just kind of ask you like what is the one thing or something that you're kind of looking forward to now that you're returning returning to the sports beat but not necessarily covering the game to game atmosphere of it because obviously uh this season would not be ideal for that situation (laughs) (laughs) i
3: I, I think i what am i looking forward to the most i mean this is this is largely it i mean uh, you know i just it is such a a ripe fascinating subject and, and will determine so much about how college sports goes um you know, the, the frustrating part is I don't know how much people are going to be talking to me. And I don't love the idea of, like, going up to 17-year-olds and asking, like, how much are you getting paid? Like, like that, you know, that's part of sort of understanding the the landscape. But it's also, like, a very awkward question because, like, nobody answers it and it's a 17-year-old. Um, and, and, and that part feels crappy. But sometimes you have to ask crappy questions. Um, but I, I just think following this whole thing, it, it, is, it is a new marketplace. It is... Um, is fundamentally correcting a uh, a a flaw and uh, an unfairness um, in its own flawed way, um, which I think will be a, a really sort of fascinating thing to watch.
1: Yeah, watching watching this pendulum swing is going to be over the years going to be great for you because it, like you said it's you know we started started with nobody getting paid now everybody's getting paid and then where is it going to kind of come back to?
3: Is the market going to be bigger because, like, everybody realizes, like, they've been underpaid for so long? Or is there a course correction where everybody's like, boy, this is – these first few years were dumb. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I don't know.
2: Yeah. The – I think it's, it's going to be – I mean, it, you, you said it off the top. Like, this is where the sport's going. From a coverage standpoint, this is going to be interesting. Uh, there's going to be – like, there's no uh, – there's no – open database of like how much everybody's getting paid i'm sure that's going to get start putting together someone's going to put together you know a salary cap tracker type thing for for players nil deals it's going to become it's going to be the new the new thing that happens and syracuse is obviously going to be at the forefront of it whether we like it or not thanks to the people that have chosen to be involved Um, it'll also
3: be very interesting how much recruiting actually changes yeah or if it's just or if or if everything is still the same like right like yeah which would be evidence of something else that, that this is right <laughs> absolutely what we all think that this has been happening in some way for so long and, and it's really not that dramatic a change
1: yep as long as we don't end up in like mls territory with gam and tam and just made up oh money, my god we please be, no. i think we should be okay for a while
2: <laughs> the, the, the the different types of currencies and uh, going into college football would would be legitimately the worst thing that i could imagine um just just in general (laughs) and then we get into luxury taxes because it turns into a baseball (laughs) system and you're like what are we doing (laughs)
0: uh
2: something tells me syracuse doesn't have to worry about that uh but you never know you never know uh that's gonna be it for this edition of troy news is an absolute podcast thank you again to our guest chris carlson for joining us and talking all things nil so we didn't have to talk about the two basketball losses that took place this week. Um, If you are looking for that conversation, go to the website and read the articles. It sucked. That's pretty much all you need to know. Uh, (laughs) For everybody that's listening, if you enjoyed this show, make sure you rate us, review us, give us five stars on the podcast platform of your choice. It helps us trick... uh, helps us trick the computers into expanding the Ottoman Empire. Uh, If you are watching this or listening to this on newsmagician.com, we again, we appreciate the support. Um, Make sure you check out Chris Carlson's work on NIL's uh, collectives at Syracuse. Those articles will be linked uh, inside of the Newsmagician article, and make sure you follow Chris at his Twitter handle, which is also going to be tagged in this article and on the tweet, to get all of your Syracuse NIL news. Chris, I know that you are supposed to remain somewhat impartial here, but you are a Syracuse alum. We end every show in this way, so feel free to join in or abstain if necessary, but uh, go orange. (laughs) Go orange. Go orange.